the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Today we're going to continue our study of the first chapter of Titus. And last week we left off verse 9 of chapter 1. And you'll remember the context. This is a letter from Paul to his disciple Titus, whom he left on the island of Crete. Well, why did he do that? Well, Paul tells us that in verse 5 of chapter 1. He writes, For this reason I left you behind in Crete, so that you would set right what remains unfinished and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. So Paul left Titus on the island of Crete in order to establish order and governance in the churches of Crete, of which there were many. And this was no small task and would be impossible for one man to attempt if it were up to his humanity to get it done. But we understand that Paul was not looking to his humanity. He was looking to a man whose heart was yielded to the work of the Spirit of God, and it would be the Spirit of God that accomplished this. The Cretan people were notorious liars and cheats. They were believed to be related to the Philistines. They were daring sailors and famous bowmen, but they were of very bad moral reputation. Theirs was an idolatrous, immoral society filled with corruption. In addition, they were a bit of a melting pot with various cultures and certainly a mix of Jews and Gentiles. And the gospel made its way to Crete well before Paul's arrival. It's believed that it was because some of the Jews from Crete attended the Day of Atonement. They came into Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And they heard Peter speak. And that's where the gospel made its way into Crete. Now, Paul arrived there later with Titus, much later with Titus, and looked around and it was very obvious that there needed to be a godly leadership established in those churches. So Paul, as we have said, leaves Titus to appoint elders in all the churches of Crete. False teachers, heretical cults had invaded the churches of Crete and were having a fairly devastating effect on that body of believers. 
So now we have covered verses 6 through 9, which sets out the qualification of those elders. And as we said last week, it refers to an overseer. It is a Greek word, episkopos. And the title is used to describe elders, pastors, overseers. And a pastor is an English word from the Latin, which means herdsman. It emphasizes shepherding and, and feeding. It entails protecting, leading, and guiding. And all of these are applicable to those who bear any one of those titles. And they should be called and they should be qualified. Now, as I said last week, I believe that that standard had been greatly diminished in this day and age. And we have a lot of people who bear the title of elder, not in this church, but in others, who don't know the scripture that well, who are not qualified to teach or preach, who would not be ordained as a minister in a Bible-believing church, but are there to kind of help administrate some of the duties of the church, if you will. That title is well overused. It entails oversight, protecting, leading, and guiding. And all of these are applicable to those who bear any of the titles. They should be equally lived out before men. Their lives should be lived out with purity and devotion to truth and a righteousness of life that could only be attributed to yielding to the Spirit of God. They should be able to preach and teach and reprove and confront errors. These men were appointed or were to be appointed by Titus. They would act as guardians, protectors, under-shepherds of the flock. But why is that necessary? Because the work of the Spirit of God, the aroma of Christ among believers, is a scent that the agents of the enemy cannot resist. It happens everywhere the Spirit of God births believers The enemy shows up, and he shows up in force. Paul warns the Ephesian church in Acts 20, verse 28 through 30. He says, take care, be on the guard for yourselves, and for the whole flock over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers, that's episkopos again, to shepherd, tend, feed, guide the church of God, which he brought or bought with his blood. I know that after I'm gone, false teachers like ferocious wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Even from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse and distorted things to draw away the disciples themselves as their followers. After themselves as their followers. Now, this is not a rare or an uncommon issue. The enemy is waging war against the work of God. And where the lambs are... The wolves are. We are lambs birthed among wolves. That is the truth of where we are in this world. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 tells us, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. So the battle rages on, and it has raged on through history. Wherever God has been at work, there have been wolves. In the Old Testament, when Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, he was harassed by Sambalat and Tobiah. When Jeremiah prophesied, there was the Pashur and all the false prophets. When Jesus came, there was Annas and Caiaphas. The scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all those that were against him. 
Paul contended with Alexander, the coppersmith, who did him much harm, and many others. But these are just a few small examples. You have examples of your own, of the consistent, unending attacks of the enemy against the people of God. The nature of these attacks are named in this text, but it's important to know this, that the enemy knows as well as you should that he is a defeated foe, that he cannot change you, he can only change your perception. That he cannot take your life, he can only take what the Lord allows him to take. The enemy is not victorious in all of this, for Christ has already won the victory. You are walking in the train of victory, not in the train of defeat. A lot of people will spend their time worrying about whether or not the enemy is hitting them here or the enemy is hitting there. Let me tell you something. If you'll spend your time with your focus upon the Lord and not on the enemy, you will see victory rather than defeat. But if all you're looking for is what the enemy is doing, then your focus is wrong. We we read in the word of God of the veracity of the enemy and his determination to render the work of God in the lives of believers ineffectual. And somehow we're lulled into the idea that that these are isolated incidents, that, that this isn't constant. But it began in Genesis and it won't end until we leave this world. And every child of God is targeted. Even the carnal Christians are being driven deeper into unbelief. This is why the Spirit of God repeatedly illustrates the work of the enemy against believers in Scripture. You see it over and over again. You see it in the Gospels with Jesus, and then you see it in the Paulian epistles. In each town he goes to, he's attacked, and in every church he starts, heresy comes in, the false teachers come in, the false prophets surround, and they come as wolves. We see this every time. This is the relevance of Titus. And why God ordained him to do this work in these struggling churches in Crete. To strengthen them against the attacks of the enemy. And we're going to take a closer look at that. How is that? How is the enemy making his way into churches? How is the enemy winning ground or seemingly winning ground or gaining ground in the lives of Christians? Why isn't it that Christians walk about with a sense of confidence and victory? What has led them to acquiesce to the lies of the enemy? Today we will be in Titus chapter 1 verses 10 through 16, but I will begin with chapter 9 in order to keep the flow of the letter. Please stand with me while we read God's word. Now, Paul in his continuation of the qualifications of an elder writes in verse 9, He must hold firmly to the trustworthy word of God as it was taught to him so that he will be able to give accurate instruction in sound, reliable, error-free doctrine and to refute those who contradict it by explaining their error. For there are many rebellious men who are empty talkers, just windbags and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, those Jews who insist that Gentiles must be circumcised and keep the law in order to be saved. They must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families by teaching things that they should not teach for the purpose of dishonest financial gain. One of them is Epimendes, a a Cretan, 
a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This description is true. So rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and free from doctrinal error, not paying attention to Jewish myths and the commandments and rules of men who turn their backs on the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the corrupt and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Both their mind and their conscience are corrupted. They profess to know God, to recognize and be acquainted with him, but their actions deny and disown him. They are detestable and disobedient and worthless for good work of any kind. You may be seated. So let's look at verses 9 and 10 first. He says he must firmly, that speaking of the elder, he must firmly Hold. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy word of God as it was taught to him, so that he will be able to give an accurate instruction in sound, reliable, error-free doctrine, and to refute those who contradict it by explaining their error. For there will be many rebellious men who are empty talkers, just windbags and deceivers, especially the circumcision, those Jews who insist that Gentile believers must be circumcised and keep the law in order to be saved. And you see the connection between those two verses. Because apart from an intimate acquaintance with the word of God, the elders would be ill-equipped to give an accurate instruction in sound, reliable, error-free doctrine and to refute those who contradict it by explaining their error. This is not about intellectual capacity. This is not about someone who has a greater capacity to memorize the Word of God. This is about someone who does not shy away from the Word of God, but embraces it with a love for his Savior, and who yields to the Spirit of God, who will take the Word of God and use it accurately. Here's the thing, every one of us, and you've heard me cite this before, every one of us have read, I would assume most of us have read a great deal of the Bible. But how many of us have a great deal of the Bible memorized? How many times have you been put into a position where you are bearing witness of the truth of God and he brings a verse to your mind that you did not purposely set down to memorize, but he is literally pulling from your memory and bringing it to the forefront. You see, we really don't have a clear picture of, the, of what all God does when you sit down and read the Word of God. But it sets up for you an environment of truth in your soul, where you're able to utilize that same truth for the witness of Christ, for teaching and for correcting and for balancing your own soul. The Greek word for sound, as used in sound doctrine, uh, is actually the word Greek word hygiene, which means healthy. It's where we get our English word hygiene from. If you do not have a clear understanding of what you believe or why, then you're prob- you probably have an unhealthy soul, and that's that is vulnerable to error. And a healthy soul is the product of determined faith that holds to the Word of God and is resolved to walk by the Spirit. Now, this is why it is important for these elders to be yielded, to be able to nurture the Cretan believers in truth and strengthen their resolve to live like new creations. So Paul writes 
The reason these elders must hold firmly to the word of God is because there are many rebellious men who are empty talkers. Now what he's talking about is the false teachers, the false believers who come into the congregation and begin to insinuate that certain things and lead people away from truth. These people are many. There's not just a few. In fact, uh, the way he speaks of it, he says there are a great many, a great many of these that would come against them. And Paul is referencing also heretics and promoters of apostasy. The enemy, once again, is attacking, but it's not an anomaly. Actually, the way it is worded there, it is an attack of the enemy to overwhelm, to subdue the believer through an onslaught of lies, deception, and distortion of truth. And it's happening right now. It's happening right now through the news, through the education system, through the radio, through the internet, through the influence of the ungodly in your community. It's happening in the home and in the church. The wolves are many. The way of this world is not something that Christians are really going to determine at this time. They are going to have a place in it. And the wickedness of this world is going to continue around them. It's a call to faith. It makes us recognize that we need a Savior. And Paul writes that they are rebellious and they refuse to submit to authority. And he's speaking of the false prophets or the false teachers. They will manipulate the truth to their advantage. They will seek to be a law unto themselves. They will defy correction. They are empty talkers. And the root of the Greek word used there is used to describe pagan worship, babbling, worship that produces no goodness of life. Nothing of eternal value. All talk and no spiritual value. And their purpose is to lead people into error. And the teacher who simply provides his students with a pleasant intellectual speculative discussion teaches in vain. This is what the Greeks loved. They loved to hear their own voice. They loved to talk about philosophy. And in Shakespeare's words... They are full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Paul calls them deceivers, which in the Greek literally means a mind deceiver. Think about that. When Paul talks about deceivers, what's he talking about? He's talking about a mind deceiver or one who leads the mind astray. Instead of leading men to the truth, they deliberately lead away from it. They call themselves believers. They use the truth. The Christian buzzwords, they may use scripture. Have you ever run into a cult member who knew the scripture better than you do? Well, you may not want to admit that, but there are a lot of them out there. The Spirit of God calls us to the nurture of truth so that the soul may be insulated from these mind manipulators. 1 Timothy 4.1, but the Holy Spirit explicitly and unmistakably declares that in latter times some will turn away from the faith, paying attention instead to deceitful and seductive spirits and doctrines of demons. Is that message sound to you like it's a message of man? Does it? Does it sound like it's orchestrated by men? Is what Paul talking about here that, that these false teachers bring forward a doctrine of men? No, that may be how you think, that may be how you receive it, but it's in fact a whole lot more powerful than that. 
It is a supernatural doctrine of demons. It is meant to deceive, to lead you astray. Now, Paul specifically names the particular group that he's most concerned with. He says, especially those of the circumcision, those Jews who insist that Gentile believers must be circumcised and keep the law in order to be saved. These Judaizers, as Paul called them, tried to persuade the Cretan believers on two points. One, that Jesus was not enough. They needed to follow the teachings of the rabbis. They needed to know the genealogies and allegories, the legends that the Jewish people were taught. And then second, grace was not enough. They needed to follow some laws of Judaism in order to be saved. Let's look at verse 11. It says, they must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families by teaching things that they should not teach for the purpose of dishonest financial gain. Now, the Greek word there for silence actually means muzzled, like you would muzzle a dog. It means muzzle them. Now, this is not about physically attacking them. It's about confronting lies with the truth as described in verse 9. I would also add that it is not an intellectual battle, but a spiritual one, where in the enabling of the Spirit of God, he empowers you to confront error. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, and he will wield it through the child of God to establish what is true and what is false. Also, the absence of truth will always divide. It will always divide in families. And as I've said many times, there's only one place of union, and it's never in the flesh. It's in Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Families that have allowed the enemy to usurp Christ's presence in the home have lost their way. They're estranged from the truth, and they are desperately seeking life. And you know what I'm talking about. You know, this this is not just among unbelieving people. This is among Christians who refuse to recognize God to make to make the knowledge of Christ a priority in the home. So what is a priority? Because here's the thing, folks. There are only two ways to live. You're either going after the world, you're either following after the way of the enemy, you're walking according to the flesh, or you're walking according to the Spirit. What is the example that is set forth in your home? What is it that is being lifted up in your home? One or the other. Your home isn't operating in a vacuum. So, Paul points to the deceiver's motivation, which is personal gain, power, and money. I find this pretty interesting Because as one theologian pointed out, if Christians were not taught to give as God has given to us, if we were not taught to give freely and liberally, the false teachers and the cults would have difficulty surviving. They would. As my mentor once pointed out, evil is a parasite that must live on the back of the good. And they do. One of them, in verse 12, he tells them, one of them, Epimendes, a Cretan, a prophet of their own, said Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Epimendes was a religious teacher who lived in the 6th century B.C. Aristotle and Cicero referred to him as a prophet. 
And in the Greek culture, to call someone a Cretan was to call them a liar. So now Paul is quoting a widely shared opinion as to the character of the Cretan people. It's important to understand that this is not the identity of the Cretans who had been born again. It is the disposition of their humanity. Now, I bring this up because we tend to think of our identity as being in the flesh, so that leaves us vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. So, I'm going to remind you of a few things, but first I will ask you a question. When you were born again, did you receive a new soul? Absolutely not. All the baggage of the old man remained in the soul even after salvation. But it no longer has power over you because it's no longer your baggage. It belongs to the old man who now is dead. But it's still there. First Thessalonians 5 tells us that we have a body, a soul, and a spirit. And we know that the only thing that God changed at salvation was our spirit. We received a new spirit. That is one with the Spirit of God. So the soul, which is comprised of the mind, will, and emotion, remains unchanged. However, it, like the body, is no longer an instrument of sin. But we can choose to make it one. That's why Paul writes, do not offer your bodies as an instrument unto sin. Well, if it wasn't an instrument, you couldn't offer it, could you? The soul is the same way. We have a choice. We're going to offer our soul as an instrument unto sin or an instrument unto righteousness. That is our choice. So the soul, which is comprised of the mind, will, and emotion, remains unsaved. However, it no longer has to be an instrument of sin. The soul is an instrument that should express the new identity, who we are at the center of us. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road, and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.